Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here's your host and creator of the show, Known Wells. Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of Yumi Empathy. Happy Monday. This is episode 125 on growing in connection with others with psychotherapist and New York Times bestselling author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, Lori Gottlieb. In this episode, Lori and I talk about having compassion and empathy for ourselves, operating out of fear or love, society not accepting vulnerability in men. Hi, hello. Compassion Without Forgiveness, and of course, Lori's amazing book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. If you haven't read it, it's not necessarily about, as Lori um, describes in this episode, not necessarily about saying that everyone needs therapy. It's really about um, everyone really needs to connect with each other and how we how we really grow in connection with others and need to talk more with each other. Um, so... Uh, this is another episode that was recorded pre-coronavirus. Um, we actually recorded it on a couple of months ago on uh, Valentine's Day. So I hope you enjoy the episode. It's a shorter one, <clears throat> but it uh, doesn't mean that it's not full of uh, goodness, full of empathy, full of lots of great takeaways. Uh, Lori is just uh, very bright, and I really enjoyed uh, our time together. And I hope you enjoy this episode before we get to it, though, a few things uh, I wanted to mention. First off is, uh, have you listened? <laughs> um, you're listening to this now, so hopefully you've listened. But have you subscribed to Yumi Empathy in Apple Podcasts or wherever? Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Subscribe. Make sure you subscribe so every Monday morning you see a new episode in your feed and the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, if you haven't left a review for Yumi Empathy and Apple Podcasts, please do. It really does help out the show. It's a free way to support the show. I put a lot of effort into the show. I do it myself. Um, it's something that means the world to me, this show, and I will probably always be doing it, hopefully forever. But uh, if you can support the show by uh, leaving a, uh, a review in Apple Podcasts, that would mean the world to me. Um, and speaking of reviews, I am going to just read a few recent reviews. Uh, let's see. This one is from Kev G. Moore. Hey, Kev. Kev was a guest on Yumi Empathy a few episodes back. Um, listen to his music. He's great. Kev says, we are not alone. I really enjoy this podcast. I have heard stories that I can relate to from empathetic, trauma-informed people. I've learned a lot. And is coming to listen to. You're doing you're doing good stuff here, says Kev. Thank you, Kev. I really appreciate that. Um, I I think I'm doing good stuff here. It's it's sometimes hard to take that on as someone who struggles with self esteem and and just limiting beliefs. But um, I do believe it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna claim that now. I'm gonna say that now and accept that for myself now that 
that yumiopathy is a good thing. And I hope you guys see that and, and get a lot out of it too. Um, so thank you, Kev, for that review. I'm going to review, uh, I'm going to read one more review here. This is from, uh, I'm not sure who this is from. The username is BG033094. They say, great show, known as such a kind, feely human. He cares deeply about his followers. So glad to have found this community. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, I love this community. This community, you feely humans, mean the world to me. And I want to continue just fostering that and and growing together and connecting with each other. Um, you know, this episode 125 is all about growing in connection with others. <clears throat> that's what we do. That's how we connect. That, that's how we grow. That's how we learn, find different perspectives. And it's why um, I'm building Feely Human, which should be should be out next next month. Fingers crossed, everyone. Fingers crossed. Feely Human Collective, feelyhuman.co uh, is where you can sign up for the newsletter, but the full website, feelinghuman.co, in all its glory, um, should be out in May. Um, I just need to get my act together and finish uh, it. Um, the big hurdle is, of course, the workshop that I'm uh, working on uh, to have that ready for the launch. So it might be mid to late May, but look out for that very soon. But in the meantime, go sign up for the newsletter. And excuse me. And every month you will get um, a a some feely things in your inbox. But more importantly, uh, go go support feelyhuman.co. Um, sign up for the newsletter, and um, it's all about connection. Uh, feelyhuman.co, the Feely Human Collective, is all about um, bringing people together to truly grow with one another. Um, there will be a space for you to write, a space for artists to collaborate with us and sell their sell your art in our shop, and a space to take a workshop. Again, I mentioned my my workshop that'll be out um, uh, on launch day, and then um, there will be other workshops uh, coming soon. And if you're interested in leading a workshop yourselves, uh, get in touch with me. Um, you can uh, the best place is on Instagram at feelyhuman. Just DM me there if you're interested in either collaborating on art or uh, leading a workshop. Um, and again, the website's feelyhuman.co. Full launch in May. Fingers crossed. Looking forward to that. Uh, what else do I have? Other bookkeeping items. Let's see. I have a list here. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I did want to mention that just yesterday, in fact, a couple days ago to you now, uh, I did. Uh, I finished fulfillment for Feed the Human. Uh, stuff should be um, heading to you in the next week or two. I'm going to the post office today. Uh, if they're closed today, I'll go tomorrow. But uh, you should all be getting your stuff uh, very soon. And I'm so excited for all of you who supported Feely Human in the crowdfunding. So thank you for that. You'll be getting your pins and stickers and shirts and some bonus goodies uh, very soon. I'm very excited to see all of your all of your pictures. All of I, I want to see I want to see you guys out in the wild with your Feely gear. That will make me very excited and uh, really fuel me for the next month uh, as I as I wrap up feelyhuman.co and get it launched to you. So make sure, please, please, please. Uh, make sure to um, 
yeah, post post pictures of your pins, post pictures of your stickers, and in you and your in your Feely T-shirts, and make sure to tag at Feely Human, um, and I I will reshare those. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you in advance for that. Uh, what else? <clears throat> um, I guess that is it. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Um. I posted earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, that uh, I've been doing this show for over two years now, and it, it truly is something that um, speaks so fully to my heart. And I, 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 I look forward to connecting with people each week, and it's just the best. You know, this week I recorded with Hillary McBride, who is just this brilliant mind, and and people like guest the guest today, Lori Gottlieb. I, I get you know I have the honor of speaking with this New York Times bestselling author and and learning from her and and learning from all of you. And I just you know on a selfish you know perspective, that's like uh, such a joy to be able to learn, but also like to be able to like share this stuff with you and allow this this empathy connection point. It's just the best. So. Thank you for being here. Again, subscribe, leave reviews, and sign up for the Feely Human Collective newsletter at feelyhuman.co. And enjoy this episode, episode of 125, with my guest, Lori Gottlieb, on growing in connection with others. podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of Yumi Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand-in-hand, Break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today I'm here on the metaphorical couch, downright giddy to be here with psychotherapist, storyteller, and New York Times bestselling author, Lori Gottlieb. Hello, Lori. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. So very happy to have you on the show. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I, I loved your book. Maybe you should talk to someone. It's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Thank you. It's very affirming. Like as someone who's been in therapy for, I don't know, uh, 15 years off and on uh, in the past, maybe seven or eight years, you know, steadily, it's, uh, it speaks to my heart. Well, good. That's, that's my hope for the book is that it will really touch people and also help them to see themselves maybe in a way that they haven't yet and that can help them to um, make some changes in their lives. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely did that for me. 
Uh, the first, you know, when I, I took lots of notes as I was reading uh, your book, um, as I'm often doing when I'm reading books. Um, and one of the things that struck me as sort of, it just hit me right in the heart is, is this thing you say in the book is uh, this idea that we grow in connection with others, which is something that I talk about a lot on this show and, 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 and sort of the, the beauty of empathy and sort of doing the work of sort of inward looking allows us to, I feel like better connect with others. But my question, I guess, to you is how do we connect? Like what are, what are, what are the ways that we can connect better as humans? And what are some maybe obstacles to those connections? Well, I think the entire book is about that. Um, you know, in the book, I, follow the stories of four of my therapy patients and there are others sprinkled throughout, but the main four. And then there's a fifth patient and the fifth patient is me as I go through my own therapy. And you see the connections between me and my patients, between me and my therapist, um, and the ways in which I, in my life and my patients in their lives are trying to connect with others as well. And I think that that's really what we all are seeking is, you know, how can I love and be loved? How can I relate to myself better? And how can I relate to others better? And I, I think that the more that we understand how to relate to ourselves in a compassionate way, the more that we have reserves of compassion and um, and resilience even because re relationships require resilience to have the kinds of connections that we want. And I also write a lot in the book about um, the ways that we think we're connecting, but we're not like mm. one of the one of the patients in the book is, is this young woman. I name her Charlotte in the book. And she comes to me because she keeps hooking up with the wrong guys, right. um, including at one point, a guy from the waiting room, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, we can, it's, it's almost like she has radar for people who are going to disappoint her. And at one point she's got her thumbs in the air and she's saying to me, and then he said, and then I said, and then he said, and it's this really important conversation. And I'm, I'm wondering like, what is she doing with her thumbs? And then I realized, wait, you had that conversation on text. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then she said, and then she said, oh, well, you know, I tried to explain to her about you can't really read body language. And and she said, oh, no, we also used emojis. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I thought I thought, wow, you know, we really have to make sure that that we're getting the kinds of connections that are nourishing that the face to face, no distractions, um, you know, being with another person. And I think that especially today with all of our devices, we we aren't getting that as much in the same way. That is very true. And and what I love about that is, is you know, while social media can be a very connecting place, and I've certainly met some amazing people through, you know, building this community for the podcast, etc. There's nothing quite like that in-person sort of physical connection that, that we humans need. And I, I would say that, um, you know, one thing you said that I think is so essential is the fact that, and I'd love to hear you expound on this, is the fact that we really need to have compassion for ourselves first. Like I talk a lot about sort of having empathy for ourselves. And, and without doing that, we're really not equipped to do that for others, don't you think? Well, right. But also, I think going even 
back a little further, you can't grow without having compassion for yourself. Mm. Having compassion for yourself is a prerequisite for being able to grow and change. You're not going to change by beating yourself up. You're going to change by accepting yourself. Yeah. So there's that. And, and I also think that, um, we can be so unkind to ourselves. I, I actually had a, had a client write down everything that she said to herself for three days and bring it back the next week. And I don't think we realize that the person we talk to the most, if I said, if I'm in a crowd and I'm, you know, on book tour and I, I say show of hands, um, how many people, like, who's the person that you think you talk to the most? And, you know, most people will say, you know, it's my partner or it's my child or it's my parent or it's, you know, whoever. Um, but it's, it's ourselves. It's that voice in our heads. And so she comes back the next week and she has this, you know, sheaf of papers and she says, well, I can't read this to you. And I said, why? And she said, I am such a bully to myself. Mm. And, and then she started reading it. And these things that we all do, like, you know, oh, I'm so stupid for making that mistake. Like if your friend made that mistake, you wouldn't think that your friend was stupid. You'd say, oh, she made a mistake, right? You wouldn't, um, you know, or, oh, I look terrible today, or, oh, I'm not good enough for that, or, oh, I'm so awkward, or, you know, whatever it is, we're just so unkind to ourselves. And so I think that the first thing is we have to have compassion for ourselves. We we would never treat somebody else like that, not only because we're being kind to them, but because we wouldn't believe that about them. We right. don't believe that they're ugly, stupid, incompetent. You know, we just don't believe that about our friends. Why do you think that it's such a universal, persistent thing that we all share this thing that we're all so hard on ourselves? Like, it's just every person I talk to, it's just like the, I mean, it's one of the things that we all share for sure. I think it has to do with the fact that we feel alone in our experience. Mm. And one of the things that I really wanted to do with maybe you should talk to someone is that the title doesn't mean we should all go to therapists, that maybe we should all talk to a therapist. Um, It means we should all talk more to each other. Mm. Because if we talk more to each other, we will realize that we are all more the same than we are different. And, And that will help us to see that, oh, I'm not stupid. I'm just, I made a mistake or, you know, whatever the thing is, or I'm not unlovable. I'm human. And I have, you know, there are aspects of me that I'm working on. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the more that we can share our experiences and I mean, in a real way, I don't mean, you know, I think a lot of people will post something on Instagram, like, I've never told people this before and I'm posting it now and I feel so vulnerable. It's like, well, that's a kind of vulnerability, but it's not real vulnerability. Real vulnerability is when there are stakes involved and the stakes are I'm sitting face to face with someone who matters to me Mm. and now I'm going to be vulnerable and we are looking in each other's eyes and this is really hard. That's a, that's a completely different level of vulnerability. So I think that a lot of people feel like, you know, no one shares their experience because they don't really, they haven't had the face-to-face experience of having that shared with them. Right. Yeah. The, the co-opting of this vulnerability sort of thing in our society, you know, obviously Brene Brown talks a lot about it very eloquently, like, but, but I, I agree with you. There's a certain, um, version of it that's maybe a bit, uh, I don't know. 
I don't want to be cynical, but like maybe not coming from the right place or maybe a little shallow, but the vulnerability that we need and the one you're talking about is that real, truly stakes sort of in-person stuff that uh, is where we really see each other, meet each other. Right, right. And it's also where we're nourished. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... (laughs) Uh, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Lori. Happy Valentine's Day to you too. <laughs> and one of the other things that you say in the book that I really loved is 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 this thing about fear and love and how we all sort of, every decision we make is based on both. Can you help me unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm talking about that in the context of the, the stories in mm-hmm. the book of the people that I'm writing about. And you can see, it's interesting because I, I picked these four people because they seem, when you first meet them, very different from one another, just like I'm the fifth patient. So all five of us seem really different from one another on the surface. But in fact, we're all very much the same underneath, even if we have different personalities, histories, presenting problems, different genders, different ages, you know, uh, different histories, all of that. Right. Um, And so I think that what you see with all of us is you still see that um, the ways that we navigate through life, the ways that we make choices, and I mean, I don't mean just the big choices in life, but the everyday decisions we make about how am I going to react in this conversation? How am I going to show up or not show up? Um, what risks am I going to take or not take? They're all based on fear or love. Am I going to be loved or am I going to feel anxiety? Mm. Um, humans don't like uncertainty in general. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so, so what you see is a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to go out of my comfort zone. That feels scary to me. And they end up stuck. They end up in the same exact place. Or if I take this risk, I might not be loved. Um, you know, so a a lot of people will make choices and decisions based on staying in the same familiar place, even if the familiar place is miserable. Mm. People are so averse to change because it means giving up the familiar, giving up home, giving up what we know, even if we are not happy in that, that metaphorical home. Yeah, that's so true. It's so fascinating because I, I've been working in therapy myself on this old story I'm carrying around, which is I need to be in pain. So I like grew up in an environment where I sort of took on a lot of pain and that was sort of my role. And now as a 38 year old human person, I, I'm trying to shed that, but it's such a, it's such a familiarity, right? It's such a comfort. Like it's, it's like it's, it's ingrained in my identity. And how can I relinquish that? But I, I can see what you're speaking to. Like it's such, it's hard to. Right. Well, we gravitate toward that, that feeling of comfort of mm-hmm. the familiar. And I say yeah. comfort, meaning it doesn't feel comfortable in the sense that we don't like it, but it feels comfortable and that we know it. Exactly. And yeah. so you can see that that's what happens with all of the people that I write about in the book is that they keep going back. They're in these patterns, right? And they don't realize that they think that the problem is out there because the problem used to be maybe out there. (laughs) Um, And it's kind of like wearing clothes that don't fit anymore. It's like they're wearing their childhood clothes and it's like, wait a minute, you, you aren't, you aren't in that environment anymore. Um, My, my therapist, there's a scene in the book where my therapist says to me, you remind me of this cartoon 
and it's it's of a prisoner shaking the bars, desperately trying to get out. But on the right and the left, the bars are open, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. bars. Yeah, and and so many of us feel trapped um, by you know our circumstances, the people in our lives, whatever it might be, and uh, by our own minds even. Mm-hmm. And yet, the bars are open, and we won't walk around the bars because then we're, we're then it's like, oh no, what do I do now? What if I walk around those bars and I'm free? I don't know how to operate in that environment. This is not conscious. This is not, you know, this is outside of our awareness right. where we think, you know, we think I want to be free, but if I, but then, you know, the idea of actually being free scares the daylights out of us sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. I, so I talk a lot like the, the free piece like speaks to me because I, I talk a lot about, about control on this show as someone who is a recovered anorexic. Uh, there was a lot of control in my eating disorder and and part of my recovery is has been sort of to recognize that there's not much I have control over, you know, relinquishing control over things that um, are really just causing me sort of heartache and worry and anxiety of, you know, trying to control things that really I can't control. And I think there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of like gnashing of teeth and heartache over things that um, maybe shouldn't be, don't you think? Well, I guess I have a different take on that. And, mm. and, and that's that I think that we can't control other people. Sure. But we have, there's so much that we do have control over in terms of ourselves. We can control our reactions to other people. We can control the choices that we make. We can control the ways that we treat ourselves and the ways that we treat others. Absolutely. We have so much agency over our lives and so many people come into therapy and they feel helpless. And what I like to do in therapy is to help them to see that they aren't helpless, that they have, that it is their life. It's nobody else's life. And they get to make a lot of choices about how they want to live their life on a daily basis. Yeah. So I agree with you that um, there are things out there that maybe we can't control, but we certainly can control our response to them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We And that's a imp- uh, very empowering sort of perspective, which I, I do agree with for sure. Um. Sort of another sort of piece in the book, and uh, it, you know, I have lots of comments on the book because I loved it. Um, one thing you say, and I, I don't, I don't remember the context, but you, you said um, perhaps men uh, apologize preemptively by holding their tears back. Um, yes, which I just love because it's, it's to me, my perspective on it is that. Um, you know, here I am, a, a man, uh, identified male person who talks openly about my feelings and is and cries, and and that's 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 who I am. But it took sort of a long time to get there, and I grew up in an environment where I used to just guard everything and sort of repress everything. But but and that, and that seems to be sort of the norm. There is a stigma, right, about that and and sort of men and their feeling so can you talk a little bit about that and what you meant by that in the book right so one of the patients in the book is this guy that um i call john in the book and by the way these are all real people i'm just changing their identifying information so when i say i call him john that's because changing his (laughs) name um but the story is true and um you know, he's somebody who who is so guarded, so defended, and um, 
you know, he has this unspeakable pain that we find out about later. But I, what I've noticed is that when women start to cry in therapy, often they will apologize for crying. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. As if there's something to apologize for men, I think feel so much shame around crying that they just, it takes a lot for them to get there, to feel comfortable enough to do it. I also see a difference between, and again, these are big stereotypes, but, but this is a pattern that I see where a lot of men will come in and they'll say, you know, at some point in the therapy, they'll say, I've never told anyone this before. Hmm. And then what they tell me feels so mild to me. And I feel so much compassion for them because I think that you really, you couldn't tell anyone that, um, because it means that in our culture, we have quashed men's ability to be vulnerable. We have, we have not accepted their vulnerability to the degree that something that feels very mild to me as a woman, um, it feels like something that they could not share out in the world with even a close friend or a partner. And, and women will come in and they'll say, I've never told anyone this before. And then what they tell me is usually, you know, something I can see more of why maybe they were reluctant to share that. But yeah. not only do they say, I've never told anyone this before, but then they say, except for my mother, my sister, and my best friend, right? right so they've told right. like maybe one to three people. The men have told no one. Hmm. And so, and so, and I see a lot of couples in my practice. And what I see is this, the woman will say in a heterosexual couple, let's say, cause I also see same sex couples in a, in a heterosexual couple, I see a lot of, um, Oh, the, the woman will say to the man, um, you know, I want you to be vulnerable with me. I want you to open up to me. I want you to share with me. And then he does. And maybe he starts crying and she is like a deer in headlights. She does not know. She is so completely uncomfortable with the fact, especially if he's crying in a, in a kind of demonstrative way. Sure. Um, and it's interesting because it's like you wanted that, but at the same time, you have a lot of complicated feelings Hmm. around the fact, you know, and, and women will say like, well, then I suddenly I didn't feel safe. And so it's interesting because you, you said you would feel safe if he would open up to you, you know, because you feel unsafe, not feeling connected to him. But then when he does open up, there's a part of you that also feels unsafe because he's being vulnerable. Hmm. And so these are these cultural norms that we internalize and then they bleed into our interpersonal relationships. And also just for men walking around in the world, they have a lot of ideas about what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Yeah. Do you feel like it, you know, societally, culturally, it's getting better? I would say in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. And by that, Mm. I mean, I think that we talk more about this. I think that as parents, so I'm raising a boy, um, I think that I'm very aware that a lot of parents will um, kind of send a message to their sons in a way that they don't to their daughters that, um, you know, all of a sudden when they get to be a certain age that certain feelings aren't as acceptable, you know, Um, they'll let their daughter cry in public, but they'll kind of be embarrassed if their son is, for example. Mm. Um, and it's not just tears, it's about sort of how they talk about things like, you know, a boy, you know, something interpersonal happens with, you know, kids at the lunch table and boys are given different advice than girls are given. They're, they're talked, it's talked about differently. Um, so I think that, you know, we have to be really aware of like the messages that we're sending our, our children, both boys and girls about, you know, 
how important it is to be able to access our feelings and share our feelings and feel comfortable doing that. And that goes for, for everyone. Um, and so there's that, uh, there's that piece of it. And I, I can't remember, I'm sorry, what was the other part of the question? Oh, about, is it getting better? Yeah. Um, and so, so I think it's getting better in that we're, we're being more aware of how we're raising our children. So the next mm. generation, I think that in some ways, um, when men do open up, if they share something that feels like an unacceptable feeling, um, or it's a feeling that, that the person, that the person they're talking to doesn't want to hear, um, they get shut down very quickly. Right. Um, right. So I, I, I think that people need to learn more about how to really listen to someone and listening isn't just about the content of what someone's saying. It's about the empathy. Mm -hmm. Can you put yourself in that person's shoes, even if something about what they're saying is, is kind of, um, you know, you're having a reaction to it. Can you, for this moment, hear the experience from their point of view? You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to have the, you don't have to have the same perspective, but you have to be able to see their perspective just as they have to be able to see your perspective. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and I, I think it leads uh, quite well into the last sort of piece I wanted to talk about, which is Compassion without forgiving. So <laughs> mm, that's all over that the Rita story in the book. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. And I, I I've been challenged by it in my own personal life, having two, I would say, challenging parents, um, a, a father who I don't really speak to, but but lately have been having um you know it sort of I'm I'm in this world of empathy and think about it a lot, r read about it a lot, and, and I I I know that my father, for instance, had, you know, maybe a childhood that was that was difficult, right? That was that was maybe cold and unloving. And I, you know, and the way he raised me um, was uh, certainly in part sort of a reaction to that or in response to that or just a piece of the puzzle, right? And so I've I've started to have um, uh, less sort of reactive re reactive sort of. Um, angry sort of you know cold feelings toward him and and actually have some compassion which right, is so you're, hard you're right so you're in yeah. the position of of rita in the book who's this mm -hmm. woman who is about to turn 70 and 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 her she's heartbroken because her her children are estranged from her and she knows that she um you know made some significant mistakes as a parent when they were younger and, and has a lot of regret around it. And she keeps wanting their forgiveness. And what I talk a lot about her with is this idea that you can have compassion for someone without forgiving them. And that forgiveness, you can't, you can't get that from somebody else that you have to be able to forgive yourself. Mm. And when, when she forgives herself, she's able to be a better mother to them. And when she's a better mother to them, when she's not asking anything of them, she's not saying, I need you to take away my pain because nobody wants to do that. Right. For another person. Right. Um, especially when that person has caused them so much pain. So her, what she had to do was to come to a place where she wasn't asking anything of them. She was just giving them what she wasn't able to give them earlier and they could take it or not take it. And that was going to be okay either way, but she had to forgive herself and move on with her life. And what happened was, which would, is what generally happens is that, um, the kids, except for one of them 
move toward her. Now, it wasn't like they became best friends. It wasn't like they didn't have the pain of their childhood still. It was that they they got to have a different kind of relationship with her that actually was nourishing for all of them in in many ways. And, and they, they still, you know, they never, they never to this day, they have not forgiven her, but they, but they're able to have a relationship with her that, that gives them a lot of what they didn't get growing up. And, and she gets to have a different relationship with them as well and be a different kind of person around them. Yeah. So, so I, I think that that's really important that this idea of, you know, forced forgiveness. We talk a lot. People say, oh, you should forgive that person because of these circumstances, right? Forced forgiveness doesn't do anybody any good. It just makes people resentful and and it's not authentic. So I I never encourage people to to forgive someone. I I encourage people to have compassion for them, but I, you know, to just understand what they might've been going through. And that's not mutually exclusive. It doesn't mean like, because you have compassion for them, you can't feel your pain. Both can coexist, but I would never ask somebody to to force themselves into a place of of forgiveness that they don't actually feel. Yeah, and that's so beautifully said. And and um, a great sort of takeaway from that um, is is that right? Like you said, we can hold two truths at once. Like we contain multitudes as humans, and both can be true. We can have that pain, and that pain could be real and a reality. And we can also have compassion for this person. We can hold right. those two truths. Right, and and the more that we can hold the complexities at the same time, the more that we will grow and change. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, Lori, as we start to wrap up here, um, tell me a little bit about, uh, if you can, I, I heard some exciting news that maybe you should talk to someone is going to be a TV show or something. Right. So the the book is being adapted for television. Um, That's amazing. Eva Longoria's company and the creators of the show, The Americans, are writing uh, the show right now. So I'm very excited for that. And I'm also launching a new podcast, which I'm really excited about, that um, Katie Kirk is producing for iHeart. And it's uh, it's kind of like my Dear Therapist column that I write weekly for The Atlantic, where mm-hmm. instead of giving advice, I, I tell people what a therapist might be thinking and help them to think about their problem differently so they can make a better choice about how they want to move forward. And in the podcast, it's me and my co-host is Guy Winch, who we both did these uh, TED Talks recently, and um, we he's another therapist, and we are going to be um, kind of analyzing a person's problem from a therapist's perspective so that people get to see kind of the behind the scenes of how therapists think about it. And then we're going to give them some suggestions and then they're going to come back because we never get to see what actually happens in my column. I get to see because people write to me and say, I tried this or I tried that and here's how it worked out, but I don't publish that part. And this way, listeners get to hear, well, what worked and what didn't and what can we all learn from that in our own lives? So I'm very excited about both the TV show and the upcoming podcast. Wow, amazing. And when will we be able to listen and watch these things? Uh, probably the TV show. I'm not sure. Cause it's just being written right now. So things take a little while, but sure. the, the podcast, um, will be out later this year. Amazing. Amazing. So exciting. Um, sounds amazing. So, um, listeners look out for that stuff. And Lori, where can, uh, people connect with you? Uh, they can go to my website, which is Lori They can find me on Twitter at Lori Gottlieb one. 
I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, although I don't know how to use it yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do a story, but I post there and I'm, uh, I'll figure that out shortly, I hope. <laughs> Lovely. Well, listeners, all those links are in the show notes. Lori, thank you so much for being a guest on You Me Empathy. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And have a lovely day. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.